Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. We have been studying the book of Proverbs now for, this is the 30th session, if you would, the 30th week. We began May 31st last year, um, took a break um, for two weeks when Chuck taught us on heaven. And then we took a break for about four weeks going through Advent season as well. And so this is the 30th of those um, of our considerations of this incredible um, book. And it is the final week in this study. We could, again, as I mentioned last week, we could continue this study for weeks and months, probably years to come. Um, as Jesus sta- or John stated about Jesus, if everything that was written about Jesus would be written, even the, the whole world couldn't contain it. And so I think if we would just spend time continually going over the book of Proverbs, we'd never end the truth that God has recorded in it. Back, um, we're going to be looking at the perpetuity of wisdom today. You can see that up there. Um, we've spent many weeks on the pearls of wisdom. But way back in the beginning, um, back on May 31st, when we talked about the introduction to the book of Proverbs, I shared a statistic. Um, and that is that um, the self-improvement industry, this is just the U.S. alone, was worth $11.6 billion in just 2019. And it's estimated to grow now, next, uh, by next year, I look for more statistics, haven't got any newer statistics on it, to be a $13.2 billion billion dollar i can't comprehend one billion i can't comprehend a million but anyways but i can't comprehend a billion but 13.2 billion dollars just the united states being spent on the self-improvement industry now that's a wide range clearly you could be looking at that as far as your physical appearance but most of those are self-help books Self-help videos. The YouTube is just replete with self-help videos for people to go and to be able to learn how to better themselves. When God has recorded it thousands of years ago. And though you have to go to a store and buy a copy of it, God never charged for it. Think about that. God never charged a penny to give you words of truth, to give you words of liberty, to give you words of freedom. And Jesus told his disciples, freely you have received, freely give. It's amazing to me that there's 11.6 to 13.2, so we'll round it and just say 12 billion. How's that? Okay? Dollars. And I would imagine, sadly, that some of that money is being spent on Christian self help. I don't have a problem with people making money, but I really have a problem with people making money off of God. And just as a little tidbit, a little throw-in for you. But when you go on YouTube, you don't have to have ads. So whenever you see an ad on a video, it's because the person chose to make money off you watching their video. It's called monetization. And so when you sign up and you have, because I have, again, videos now on YouTube, right? That was an option. Do you want to monetize? Do you want to make money off it? The answer resoundingly ought to be what? No. Freely I received, freely give. This, again, is an aside. But I don't know how many of you use eSword. But eSword is free. eSword is free. You download it on your laptop. Yeah, yeah. What do you use? No, then you use my sword. Yeah. Oh, so you may use the eSword that's on the iPhone. Yeah. So that's different. Rick Myers created eSword. 
okay? And it's, you put it on Windows, put it on whatever, it's free. And his philosophy was exactly Jesus' words. Freely you received, freely give. But there are many people who donate to him to keep the work going of their own free will. Because God will provide for whatever he desires to send forth. This book contains the greatest of self-help, self-improvement wisdom that could be ever given to man. A second little detail I want to give out prior to going into this final message is something that we've kind of talked about, danced around many times in different areas, but just to define it right now, that is the, the concept of philosophy. Now, again, I'm not into worldly designations and that kind of stuff, but it behooves us living in the world to understand some of the things that the world comprehends. So the term philosophy, okay, what does it mean? Well, it means it's a field of study that investigates reality and human existence. Interestingly, it comes from the Greek words philo, phileo, and sophia or sophos. It's the love of wisdom. The love of wisdom is really what it is. Because, oh, I'll tell you the because in a moment. Sorry, I've got to give you two more little subpoints. Religion, interestingly, is a subset of philosophy. So as you, from the perspective of the world, okay, that when classify religion, like if you go into the um, uh, library or whatever else, um, religion is a subset, a subclass of the greater topic of philosophy, the, the, the love of wisdom, the study of human existence. Religion is a subclass. Christianity, then, is just a what? Subclass of religion, okay? Well, even religion. So, in other words, from the perspective of the world, they look at what? Philosophy, okay? And then, under philosophy, they say, well, there's religion. And then under religion, they say, oh, then there's just the Christianity stuff, okay? Um, the core question of philosophy is, what is the uncaused cause? Now, that's really where I want to bring this in. What is the uncaused cause? Because even in the study of wisdom, the study of human existence, man knows, and we're going to talk about this, man knows inwardly, intricately, that he had an origin, that the earth had an origin, and there's something more than what we see. And so that core question of what is the uncaused cause means that if you keep going back, I mean, you had parents, and you had grandparents, and you had great-grandparents, and you had great-great-grandparents, and you had great-great-great-great-grandparents, and you all the way through, but somewhere along the line, someone had to be the original. But where did they come from? So somewhere along the line, as you say, where did they come from, where did they come from? Somewhere along the line, you got to get to a point where what? There had to be something that wasn't created that began everything else. There had to be an uncaused cause. People love to talk about the, the billiard game and the, and, the, and the cue ball breaking the rest of the balls and how the balls move, but really the, the cue ball didn't start at all. What, what started at all? The, the cue stick did, but the cue stick didn't start at all. It was the man who pushed it, but it wasn't just the man who pushed it. It was in his, even in his brain that he had a thought process that you could, going on with this whole thing, but somewhere along the line, you got to stop. Yeah, where the pull table come? You got to stop and you got to say, this is the uncaused cause. And wherever you stop, whatever is your uncaused cause, that is your God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the blank. By the Big Bang. No, I get it. But, but if you state that, then science and the Big Bang and, and matter becomes your, your God. If you finish it, as Hebrews eleven three says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, then God becomes your God. I mean, that sounds redundant, but you know what I'm saying. Okay? That there is a creator God who started all this. And so... In essence, then, if you think about it, if philosophy is then the study of 
understanding and wisdom in the um, in existence, human existence, then bringing this all together, that the root of understanding, at the root of understanding reality in the love of wisdom is the true understanding of what or who is the uncaused cause. And unless you have a proper foundation and a proper starting point, you won't find true wisdom. You have to start from the from the proper starting point. Did you guys ever go on one of those? Um, uh, oh, the, the the hunts. I'm like uh, scavenger hunt, but like with a car. Did you ever have a car, a car scavenger hunt? Yeah, did you? That was back in the day. We did things like that before we got TVs and, and we, we we stuck got stuck watching the boob tubes. And so, but on one of those car scavenger hunts, they tell you where you need to start, and then they give you clues and you've got to go find the what the next spot and then you get the next clue and then you da, 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 da. it's kind of like the geocaching of today okay but unless you start in the right spot and you start making a left and a right and all that kind of stuff you're going to go the wrong way and so you can have the same clues if you you know go two blocks turn left and then make a right and when you see the 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 sign that has a chess piece on it and i remember this years ago for us doing it because one of the clues was a bishop and so you know there was a there was a sign that had a chess piece on it so you had to be looking for these different things well if you're going that way if you start from the wrong spot you're going to end up in the wrong spot do you get what i'm going and so unless you start with the proper foundation you're not going to find true wisdom. So, let's start with the foundation. God is the uncaused cause. Now, that should be, I mean, that, I, I, that should not have been a wow moment for anybody here that I stated that, okay? I mean, that should have just been like, okay, I can't believe it took you that long to get to this statement, okay? But God is the uncaused cause. So, what I'd like you to do is we're not going to have any of the verses there today. So, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Turn to Exodus 3. So you got a lot of verses you're going to go to unless you got the, the verse sheet that I put back there. Okay? That's why I put them back there. Okay? Won't be back there starting next week. Starting next week, Lord willing, we're going to be going through the book of John. And again, it's going to be an expositional study of the book of John. So therefore, we won't need the verse sheets because you have your Bible and we won't be jumping back and forth, back and forth. Okay? All right. So Exodus chapter 3. Okay? Beginning of verse 13 says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God chose as his name. Now, here's the deal. God is the uncaused cause. Therefore, God has caused all other things. God has determined all other things. You consider adultery wrong. You consider murder wrong. You consider stealing wrong because God's the one who said so. Man didn't come up with those things. God determined those things. And we don't call God Yahweh because we chose to call God Yahweh. God revealed himself as Yahweh. And Yahweh means the uncaused cause. He is the one who exists. That's what it means. I am that I am. I am the uncaused cause. I exist. And so it comes from the, the Hebrew Hayah, okay, which is to be. And so the derivation just is he who is. That's his name. I'm the uncaused cause. When they say, who, who sent me? Who sent you? The uncaused cause sent me. <laughs> The one who is, Yahweh, sent me. Now, they understood that, okay, because he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? So go to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. What do we know about this uncaused cause then? In that he placed it into his very name. Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2, we read, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Yahweh, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were forth, or ever you have formed the earth in the world, even from 
olam to olam, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, the word olam is, a, is an exciting word in the Hebrew. If you've been here long enough, you've heard me share it. Olam, literally, Bob's definition of olam, is that which is just over the horizon. That which is just over the horizon. When do you get there? If you start heading west, when do you get there? Never. No, you ain't even get there tomorrow. You never get there. And if you start going to east, you just keep going. You just keep going because the world is what? Flat. No, no, it's, it's not flat. The world is round. Okay? And that's the whole concept of Olam. There's no flat earth. I mean, the whole idea of the spherical nature of the earth is built right into all these things. It's really kind of a, a fun thing how God did these things. Okay? But, but the idea is from Olam, from perpetuity past to perpetuity future, you are God. You've been there from everlasting, from beyond the horizons. And you will always be there to the future, beyond the horizons. Psalm 93, verse 2. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. You are from Olam. Psalm 102, verse 24 to 27. Again, there are many other verses that I can throw in here that state the same things. Beginning of verse 24 says, I said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will what? They will perish. What's he talking about? The heavens and the earth. Isn't this kind of interesting? This is written in the Psalms. This isn't Peter writing about it later. This isn't a New Testament thought. This is something that was even there in the Old Covenant. Okay? The, your hands made the heavens and they, made, they made, made the earth, right? They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. We know from Peter that the, the heavens and the earth are going to... What's going to happen to them? How are they going to be made new, though? That's from John. We read about the new heavens and the new earth. That's okay, though. How do, what, 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 what's going what's to happen to these ones? Say again? They're going to be melted by fire. They're not going to go by a flood, are they? How do I know they're not going to go by a flood? He said so. He said so. And he put a what? A sign of the covenant in the sky. And we still see it today as a rainbow, Right? So God made a promise he would never again flood the entire of the earth and destroy the earth by water, but he is going to destroy the earth by fire. The psalmist, sorry, let's go with this one, not my paper. The psalmist knew it. How cool is that? They're going to go, they're going to destroy. But when it all happens, God, what? You'll be there. Because God's not tied to this sphere. Does it bother you that they put a rover on Mars? Are you worried about what they're going to find? I hope not. Because you know what? God put all that stuff out there for them to discover, to prove who he is. They are going to be without excuse. That's what it says in the book of Romans, right? Romans chapter 1. They suppress the truth. Everything they find, the further out they go with their Hubble telescopes and everything else, all they do is prove more and more and more that God's beyond it. That they can't explain it. That there's an order that goes against everything that they want to teach otherwise. And as they go further and further with their microscopes, and I can't even comprehend this. You know, all the machines that are within your cells and how they do things is just mind-blasting and boggling to me. But even what's more mind-boggling to me is how you can have a doctor who sees all that and still says there is no God. Mind-boggling to me to see what God has done and to reject it. Well, first step, God is the uncaused cause. Okay, God is the uncaused cause. He is everlasting, perpetu perpetual, vast, perpetual 
future. You say, well, what's the line for? Because the next three verses is really incredibly mind-boggling to me then. Because these three refer to who? Isaiah 9, verse 6, Micah 5, verse 2, Hebrews 13, verse 8. Who's it, who's it about? Jesus. And what do we know about Jesus? Well, Isaiah 9, verse 6, and again, I could talk other verses here, right? But this is just a sampling set of it. Isaiah 9, verse 6, unto us a what? Child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be what? The wonderful counselor of the Pele Uites. The only, Pele Uites only river refers to Yahweh. Okay? He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the El Gibor. Okay? Again, only ever refers to Yahweh. He is the Avi Ad, the father of eternity, or the eternal father. Whichever way you want to take it, it doesn't matter. It Basically, it's going to cause your brain to burst anyway, no matter how you look at it. How is this baby that's going to be born, how is this baby the father of eternity? He's a created being, isn't he? I mean, how can a created being be the father of eternity? everlasting of never stopping it's mind-boggling he is the tsar shalom micah 5 verse 2 anybody know what it says but you O bethlehem right are what not the least among yeah thousands of judah yet out of you shall come forth one to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from Olam. <laughs> How cool is that? This baby, <laughs> this baby who is going to be born, his origins are part of the uncaused cause. Turn that thing on. It's part of the uncaused. This baby who is going to be born is the uncaused cause. Does that fry just a few brain cells for you? I mean, again, when we get into that's why Christmas to me, you know, you can take for whatever it's worth with the incarnation celebration of the feast of the incarnation is so incredible to me because it's not even a matter of his birth. It's even his conception. That that this uncaused cause was growing in Mary's womb, and yet he's still the uncaused cause? That doesn't compute to me. How can there be this, and yet it is? In the triune nature of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're not, we don't have tritheism. You have, we don't have three gods. Do you get it? Sometimes we break it into tritheism and we, we have this because we can't comprehend. We can't. So I got to have the, I got this God as a father and he's kind of up there and I got the son and you know, wow, he's the one who was born. And, and then I got this Holy Spirit God that just kind of comes and then dwell. No, you got one God who's manifested himself, revealed himself, emanated himself, whatever word you want to put in there because we can't explain it anyway. In three persons. And yet Jesus said to Philip, Philip says, just show us the Father and it suffices. And Jesus said what? Philip, have I been with you so long and you haven't recognized me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so in the Sunday school, we talked about this morning with, from Genesis chapter 18. Okay, and so you've got to understand whenever I'm... You know, i got all these other thoughts going on in my brain. It's probably why it flowed out in, in Sunday school. But you got... Abraham on the plains of Mamre, right? He's just hanging out. It was a normal day. But his day was interrupted. By who? By not just God, it was God, but by Yahweh, the great I Am, the uncaused cause, the one whom man cannot see. No one has beheld his glory. And yet, there in that moment, on that plain, under the terapeuth trees of Mamre, he's talking face to face with the incarnation of the uncaused cause. That ought to blow you away. This one that we worship isn't just a good teacher, he wasn't just a prophet.
He is the uncaused cause. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I explain to you how it all works? No. And I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't attempt it. I, you know, on those YouTube videos, I got people asking me, but I, I can't explain it. I just have to accept what God's declared in his word. If I could explain it, then I'd be God. But I'm not. I'm just a piece of clay. Worshiping the potter. We got to keep moving on. So the foundation, God is the uncaused cause, but he's also then the source of true wisdom. And I don't, we don't have time necessarily to go through all 1 Corinthians chapter 1 here. It's here for you to look at later. Okay, I challenge you to do it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, what you're going to read is that there are two sources of wisdom. And that, that is the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And that the wisdom of the world is what to God? Foolishness. But the wisdom of God is what to the world? Foolishness. Isn't that kind of interesting? Okay. Why? Because they are against one another. Remember when Jesus, again, we've talked about this all the time. When Jesus came, he told them to repent. Metanoia. Change the way they think. You cannot think with the stinking thinking, if you would, of the world. If you think like the world thinks, you'll never fully discover the fullness of God. You have to be willing to, to become a fool from the perspective of the world and to sacrifice everything about yourself in order to fully discover who God is. God continually challenges me from his word, theology, doctrine. You know, why do you believe? It's got to go. It's got to go. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what God declares. Do you get where I'm going with that? Okay. So you got to take that from whatever realm you're in. Okay. But there is a wisdom of God and there is a wisdom of the world. James then, chapter 3, turn to James 3, talks about the same thing. coming off of the heels of talking about our tongue and that our tongue shouldn't be dispensers of um, things and curses at the same time. And he says, beginning verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good works, or his good conduct, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Ooh, now that's kind of interesting. So there is potentially wisdom out there that is what? Demonic. Demonic. Of a satanic origin. The wisdom, so think about that. If there's a wisdom out there that's of a demonic, satanic origin, where is it seeking to lead you? To hell exactly right verse 16 for where envy and self-seeking exist confusion and every evil thing are there but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy so if someone is spewing forth wisdom Stating that there ought to be an uprising, and I'm not making a political message. And it has argumentativeness and everything else that's all through it. What do you know? It's not from above. Take that for whatever it's worth. You got to pray through situations. But I'm just telling you, there is a wisdom of the world that leads to death. And there's a wisdom of God that leads to life. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Jesus said, eternal life, this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know God is to know life. Okay, so, so that's our, 
are foundational statements, okay? Oh, I didn't, did I put it? Oh, God is a source of truism. So, yeah, so help me out here. God is, oh, there are two sources of wisdom. Okay, and then the second part is that then that God is that one who gives it to us. So he's going to give to anybody, liberally, to anybody who asks. So James 1, 5 to 8, you know the verse very well, right? Um, where on the heels of it says, if anybody is experiencing trials, what? Let him what? Consider it? Oh, joy. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, because it works perfection in us. In the beginning of verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed about by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so faith, 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 by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And so that if I'm lacking wisdom, or I need to know where I need to go with certain things, I need to what? Ask, by, or in faith. Believing. So I can just tell you, I mean, honestly, and I've shared this in the past, when I had the home improvement business, and there were many times I didn't know what I was doing. Doesn't that give you a lot of confidence? I get into something, and I was like, I'm not positive where to go next with this. But I, one thing I know, I prayed that I asked God to be my provider and that if he gave me work to do, he would give me the wisdom to accomplish it. That's what you see in Exodus 36, verse 1 and 2. Bezalel and Aholiab. God gave them wisdom to do what he called for them to, to do. And so, there are numerous times that God gave me understanding that was beyond my abilities and so i remember a time i had a i'm praying and i, I that god gave me this job and i don't know how to do this they wanted me to make like the zaxby's um awning for over their coffee shop in their church thing and i was gonna have to put a pillar because i don't know how you're gonna have an awning hang, hanging out in the middle of nowhere without anything supporting it didn't make any sense to me and uh you know i mean i knew you know the engineering part with the forces and all that kind of stuff right you know and how it comes out and i didn't know how i was going to keep drawing that back i just knew i needed something to hold it up or something to pull it up right and so all of a sudden and i knew they wouldn't really want to post in the middle of their uh countertop that just didn't make any sense so i'm praying lord what do you want me to do how am i gonna i had this vision now you can say well bob you're getting a little charismatic on me but i had this vision of this rectangular thing that was going to have a cable on both sides, and it was going to turn. And that's what I needed. Now, some of you are saying, oh, I know what that is. I had no clue what it was. Again, I was a computer guy. I wasn't a construction guy. And so I went to Lowe's. There's going to be this thing. It was a rectangle. It was going to have cables on it. It was going to turn. And so I'm walking down the aisles. And the guy comes up, and I can tell, tell you who it was. I still see him. And we, we get along. I mean, he, there's no doubt in my mind he remembers this moment, too. And so, because he walks up on this guy, and he says, what do you need? And I says, I don't know. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? I said, well, let me tell you how it is. So I tell him I have this job, and God gave me this vision of this rectangular thing that was going to have cables on both sides, and it was going to be able to turn, and it was going to be able to hold it up. And he says, oh, you mean a turnbuckle? I don't know. Show me a turnbuckle. And, and I, yeah, sorry, if you say so, I don't know. Show me what it is and I'll let you know. He took me down. It was turnbuckles. Wow. I said, you put cables on both ends of this? And he said, yeah. I said, this is the stuff. I said, and it's like, turn. Was, oh yeah. He says, it'll, it, when you turn it, it, it kind of makes the, the cable tighter. I said, this is it. And he says, what size do you need? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're, God, I mean, isn't it amazing? I mean, just, anyways, we figured out the weight of what I was building and figured out which ones I needed. I got the cable, and then I won't tell you how I installed it because then you'd get OSHA after me. But anyways, but I trusted God for standing on top of that eight-foot ladder, too. Anyways, but on top of the counter, we won't go there. Anyways, my wife was glad she wasn't there. Anyways, but I did hire a big old guy to hold my ladder while I was doing that. Anyways, so <laughs> God will give you the wisdom to accomplish whatever he asks you to do. And so I, all I can tell you is that by faith, I'm not anybody special, but I can stand here and give you testimony after testimony after testimony how God 
proved himself to me in this, that he would not give me a task, that he would not teach me how I needed to accomplish it. And so, Psalm, Exodus 36. Marge, yeah, Marge is saying, that's just too much for me. I've got to get her. Um, no, no, no. She was, yeah, we won't talk about yesterday. So, Proverbs 2. I want to read Proverbs 2. So, this is important. I love this passage. Proverbs 2. Okay? It says, My son, if you receive my words, especially since we're talking about the book of Proverbs here, and we're kind of ending this, right? We've got to go to Proverbs. My son... If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will find, understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For Yahweh gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so if you kids are in the summer program, you can sing that with me, right? Uh, The King James. If thou criest after knowledge and lift your voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. If thou seekest her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure. Anyways, have the button at the end. So, The point is, God will do what God has said he will do. If you want wisdom, God has promised to do what? So my question is, where do you turn for it? Self-help books? Magazines? Or do you actually go to God? And ask God to illumine your mind, whether through his word or by his Holy Spirit, Todd, can I pick on you a moment? Because I don't know if you know it, if you even remember it, but God used you as one of those times when, again, I had a job to do was doing cabinets. I didn't build cabinets. I do now. But I didn't then. If you go up my office, you'll see the kind of cabinets, bookshelves that I used to buy, I build, okay? You don't want those in your house. And someone contracted me to build these nice, beautiful oak walnut stained, anyways, whatever. And I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Oh, I mean, I'm just, I'm grieving. I'm groaning. I'm just like, I don't, I mean, you wouldn't put this in front of me. And he illumined my mind with Todd Dixon. Call Todd. So I call Todd. Now, Todd didn't build the shelves for me. You don't, I don't even know who Todd is, okay? But, but he put Todd Dixon in my brain, and it's called Todd. So Todd didn't build the shelves for me. He did, he's not a carpenter. You're not a carpenter, are you? No, not at all. But he gave me the name of somebody, and I'm not going to tell you the name, okay? But you'd probably know the name. And I went to that place, that establishment. I went to that establishment. And he said, can I help you? I said, I hope so. He said, what do you need? I said, well, <laughs> you get used to this, okay? And I said, so I t- told him the situation. Here's what it was. And I was willing to buy the cabinets from somebody else and not charge labor at all. I was just going to install, please the customer. I was going to buy them someplace else, stain them, whatever I had to do, and just install them. That way, the price wasn't going to be that great, and I was just blessing the customer, and that's what, was, what God wanted me to do. They took me to their back, and they taught me how to make their cabinets. When does that happen? When does that happen? I pr- again, I could just go on and on. I promise all you have to do is believe by faith that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What he declares, he means. Do you believe without wavering that God will do what he's declared that he said he'll do? They've got to move on. So you have a decision to make. The first decision is whether you're going to receive or reject the knowledge and wisdom of God. Now, hopefully you've already made that decision, right? But the point I want to make here quickly and not go through all these passages, because this is, you, you, hopefully you get this. If not, the verses are there. Please read them. And that is God has created man with the ability to know him. Genesis 1, we're told that God created man in his own image and in his likeness. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit of truth. That's John chapter 4, right? So when God created us in his image and likeness, he made us into spirit beings. He, we are the only part of his creation that he made in his image and likeness. Animals were not made in his image and likeness. 
plants were not made in his image and likeness. But man he made in his image and his likeness. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. I want to read this to you. You can go there. But this is um, so important to me. This is one of these key passages that just kind of there. Just boop. God, Yahweh, has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has put ulam, eternity, into their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. God has placed ulam. We talked about this in Sunday school a little bit. God has placed ulam in the hearts of every single individual who walks on the face of the earth. Whether they want to admit it or not, they know. And so we read from Romans chapter 1, and we don't have time to go through it. But in Romans chapter 1, it's very clear that God has placed what may be known of him in, in individuals and in creation so that man are, is without excuse because rather than receiving it, they're suppressing the truth. So again, as we talked about, as I talked about the doctors who investigate all this thing, and, and they choose to believe a lie. And that's what Romans chapter 1 says. They choose to believe a lie. And they choose to worship the creation rather than the creator. And then God hands us over to our own lasciviousness. You can read that. So, God has created man with the ability to know. But the decision for us then, really, the primary decision for us is to increase in or to ignore the knowledge and wisdom of God. All, everything I've stated is for this moment. The perpetuity of wisdom. Wisdom continues on and on and on beyond the book of Proverbs. It continues on and on and on even within the book of Proverbs, but even beyond the book of Proverbs. For we see, even in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 18, Paul is talking, giving a prayer of his for the Ephesian believers. And he says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Paul said, look, you guys are believers. I know you're believers. But here's my prayer for you. My prayer is that you get it. That you are able to continue to grow and increase in the wisdom and knowledge of God. Having your eyes enlightened, opened. Do you realize that's why God gave us this? And if you're not spending time daily, you are being inculcated with wisdom. But it's not this wisdom. It's wisdom of the world. You choose to spend time listening or the windbags on the TV or the written windbags in newsprint. You will be influenced by their wisdom. It's amazing how many times I hear people say things and I said, you heard that from someone. Oh, no, no, I came to that conclusion. No, you didn't. I mean, I get it. I like the Steelers. You guys know that's no okay. And so I like reading Bob Labriola. And I know that Bob Labriola's comments influence me in my thought processes regarding the Steelers. Not that's meaningless, right? Let's bring it into something that's eternal. What you listen to, what you read, what you invest your time in will influence how you think. Do you want God to be the ultimate influencer in how you think? Do you want to think like Jesus thought? Do you want to speak like Jesus spoke? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, when he was talking about the, the laying up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Right on the heels of that, he says, but if the light that is within you is darkness, 
how great is the darkness? What does it have to do with that? I mean, what's, it, what's the twinkle in your eye? And what's the, the light in the darkness? If you're focused on worldly wealth, you're going to be focused on worldly wisdom to how to gain that worldly wealth. And from God's perspective, that's darkness. And if the thing that brings a twinkle to your eye is darkness, how great is the darkness? Again, I don't, I don't mean this pridefully. I don't mean this pridefully. I really, okay, I really don't. But I can't tell you how many times I've been marital counseling too, and I have people come in, and they've been to marital, multiple counselors, and they're still ready to get a divorce. And I said, have you ever been with, sitting with anybody who gives you biblical counseling? Like, like just like go to the Bible and re- read the Bible counsel. And well, no. I said, okay, will you give God two weeks? To see if God does something in two weeks. People have to make a decision whether they accept or reject the word of God. And those who will, from my first meeting, I, I seek to get people doing quiet time every day reading God's word. And the ones who will spend time in prayer and in reading of God's word and who will submit to the will of God, their marriages succeed. The ones who go after worldly wisdom, their marriages will fail. In fact, that's why they're there with me. Because they weren't seeking the wisdom of God. They were following the wisdom of the world. So my question to you is, again, how much do you pray for others to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of God? Or do you pray in that they get a bigger house? Are you praying that they get more money? Don't do that. No, no. You need to pray for them to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of God. You need to pray that they, they grow in the conformance of the image and likeness of God. That they look like Jesus. That they conform to the image of Christ. That he may be the firstborn among many brethren. You know what? When they do that, God will give them wisdom that's beyond this world. And they will be successful. Isn't Psalm 1, that's what it's all about? Blessed is a man that walks not in the worldly wisdom. But his delight is in the law of the Lord the wisdom of God. In his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree that's planted by the river of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. But we're not talking about worldly prosperity. We're talking about godly prosperity. And how the world, though, chases after wrong theology that promises them worldly wealth. Second Peter chapter, seven, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Anybody know verse... Chapter 3, verse 18? Yes, you do. You all know it. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. See, I knew it. He said, said, no, I don't know it. You know it. You know it. Okay, well, 17 I threw in there just because it tells us about, it's about the end times. Okay, that Peter's talking about the end times. And this is when he, he tells everybody about it. He says, look, these times are coming. So therefore, you need to grow you need to grow you need to not be stifled because the world's going to seek to stifle you you shouldn't want to be stifled but rather you need to desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ second timothy chapter 3 verse 13 to 17 do you know what that passage is about i bet you do but you and you should be able to bring it right off anybody take a gander at it the end verses 16 and 17 you know come on all scripture is get, is God breathed and is right. Okay, so so what does thirteen to sixteen or thirteen to fifteen say? Paul's writing to Timothy, and he said, and "You got the you got the verse sheet. It's right there in front of you." Okay, yeah, great. Okay, so he says, "Timothy, you need to what? What do you need to do? You need to continue. Get, keep going. The things which you have learned." And been assured of. Yeah. Keep going because we're getting to the good stuff now. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Yeah, he's talking about himself. But keep going. Keep going. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make you wise unto salvation. 
from childhood. Do you know why it's so big? Why it's so important for me to have the kids' ministry and kids memorizing God's Word? Because from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. That's why we don't have a junior church. That from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. But it doesn't stop there. That's where you know that all Scripture is God-breathed, a neustost. And it is, it, is, it is given to us that we might be able to reprove and correct and instruct and give doctrine and all that, so that the man of God may be what? Complete. Perfect. Thoroughly, thoroughly furnished for every good work. Do you know why God gave you this book? So you would be thoroughly furnished. Define what thoroughly furnished is to you. Well, it, it, I, I, for, for the most part, I mean, God gives me, you know, I just only need to go out there. No, thoroughly furnished to me means thoroughly furnished. Okay, I, I don't No, I get it. There are other things. I'm not telling you never to, to, to research other things. So, no, so don't take this too far. Okay. But my my so like but God led me to talk to Todd. God led me through a vision so I could go to Lowe's and I could find what I need. Does that make some sense? So there are other research places. I'm not, so I'm not discarding all that. But the first place you go should be God and his word. How do I handle this situation? And the more you memorize it, the more you hide it in your heart, okay, the more it will stop you from sinning. Psalm 119, verse 11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 9 was two verses before it, but it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word. So if I mess up and I'm hiding God's word in my heart, but I still fall to sin, well, how do I, what do I do then? Well, I go back to God's word and I cleanse. And so I know from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from unrighteousness. If you say you have not sinned, you make God a liar word is not in you right so so i hide his word in my heart that i might not sin against him but if i still sin i know by his word that i can do what repent go back to him and cleanse myself through the word do you get it proverbs 1 verse 5 okay so go to the book of proverbs we're going to run through these four verses from proverbs proverbs 1 verse 5 and 6 a wise man will hear and increase learning a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb, an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. A wise man will what? He'll want to keep becoming wiser. Proverbs 9, verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase learning. Back a chapter, Proverbs 8, verse 33. Hear instruction and be wise. And do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, this is wisdom speaking, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Proverbs 4, verse 5 and 7 is the final admonition. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, do, do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. What do you want in life? In a sense, we've just summarized many of the, the messages all together. I could have added one from last week. We're talking about buying the truth and not selling it, yeah? From whose wisdom will you seek to learn and apply to your life? There are two wisdoms. There's the wisdom of the world, and there's the wisdom of God. Who are you going to to get wisdom? What commitment will you make to be able to continually grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ? Yes, commitment. Because are you willing, then, to spend more time in the Word of God? I get it. I get it. That's kind of rough. So like yesterday morning, we got to be down there at 
That means I got up at 4.30, 4.45 in order for me to spend an hour in God's word and in his presence before I have to leave. That's a rough decision. Yesterday, I almost said, hey, God, how about if I meet with you after the rescue mission? You know, God was good at waking me up at 4.40 and said, no, how about if we meet right now? And so, I've been there in the past where I let quiet time, my time with God, go away. And the end result of that was desiring spiritual suicide. Leaving my family. Honestly. For some of you, you know that story. And I realized where it all began. It was not having my time with God. I rejoice in the Lord that God threw me up against the wall three times. No, not physically. And reminded me when I'm crying out, God, I know the joy, I remember the joy of my salvation, but I don't know what happened to it. He says, I told you what happened to it. It's a guarded time for me. I don't want the wisdom of the world. I'm inundated with it all the time. People laugh because I don't watch the news. I don't read the news. <laughs> Why do I need to know it? I mean, everyone, if I need to know it, someone's going to share it with me anyway. <laughs> hey, did you know we were bombed yesterday? Yeah, I heard the explosion. And... Um, <laughs> But I still have my quiet time. Anyways, I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm really not trying to say that, okay? But it's a matter of your priorities. If something's got to go, if something's got to go, the world goes. The world goes. And as God seeks to drive you deeper and deeper in the relationship with him, you're going to find that the world's going to go more and more and more. And you're going to want more and more of him. And you're not going to be content. And time's got to come from someplace, doesn't it? Because you're still working. You're still eating. You're still going doing things. And so if you want time to spend with God, it's got to come from someplace. Something has to be sacrificed. And it's the world. So, is there then a need to change the way you think? And therefore change the way you act? Now, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. This is Justin's creation. He didn't write it, but he found it. But it's a great song. Because Solomon had the opportunity, think about it, that none of us have ever had. God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, you asked for one thing, and I'm going to give it to you. Think about it. His daddy was David. He could have asked for a whole lot. He could have asked for the world. He could have asked to have been the, the most powerful man. What did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. And God made him the wisest man that ever lived. Sadly, he didn't follow all of that wisdom. But he had one choice. He chose wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you have made us in your image and likeness. You have breathed into us the breath of life. You have given us the capacity to know you to learn from you, to hear your word, to heed your word. In spite of the fact our righteousness is like filthy rags, loved us, and you came and died for us and redeemed us to yourself. That you might impute to us your righteousness. That we might be able to come before you with boldness. Forgive us, Lord, for not doing that. Forgive us for, for going to the world instead than to you. To seeking the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of God. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. To spend time in your presence every day. Bowing our knees before the God of glory. The uncaused cause. By whom all things have their being and existence. 
by whom we have our being in existence. And that we would seek to magnify you in everything we say and everything we do. For your glory. In Christ's name, amen.